Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning, good morning in person and online. Um, so it's good to be with you. Uh, this morning, I want to ask you um, a question. Have you ever made a campfire, like from scratch, from materials in the woods, not just, you know, dousing a whole bunch of gasoline on the logs and <laughs> calling it good? Um, Okay, so this is something that I used to pride myself in doing. I mean, I guess I still do, but I just don't do, do it that often anymore. So um, when I used to live in Wisconsin, I worked um, at this organization, and we led wilderness trips and hosted retreats, and the campfire was always a centerpiece of that experience. Um, so it was a thing that you gathered around in the evening. It kept you warm if you were uh, backpacking. Um, you would make s'mores, sing, share intimate conversation. It, you know, the campfire is the thing you gather around. It's an important experience. Okay. And so I had to learn to make a really good campfire uh, using the resources around in the woods, right? So the first thing that was really important is to gather kindling, okay? So you need some kind of pine needles or maybe shreds of paper, um, small sticks, like little twigs. Sometimes you could take a, a bigger branch and you could break off the littler branches and collect all those little branches. And that's what you want to start with. Um, and I, my favorite method of building a fire is the log cabin style. So that's where you take one stick and then you lay another stick around here and another stick and another stick. So you're building like a square, one on top of the other, and you make this little log cabin. And I mean, it's, it's like playing Jenga or something, right? And then I would take the ripped up paper or the pine needles and kind of make a pile and put it in the middle of that square. And then I take my lighter or my match um, and light the kindling. And the, the pine needles and the paper, they burn really fast. So you want, so I'd get down real and try to get, give it some oxygen, maybe fan it a little bit to make sure that the, the small sticks would catch before all that paper or pine needles were burnt up. And so you just, you, you nurture it, you're caring for it. Catch, catch, catch. You know, you don't want it to go out before you need more kindling. And so you're working it, you're working it, you, the small sticks catch, and they have some flames, and you know you're going somewhere now. Um, and then the next step would to be like collect some maybe more medium logs. And they have to be dry, because you can't get logs that just were rained on or wet, because they will just smoke and still, you know, uh, put out the fire. So you need some good medium logs. And then I like to do kind of like a teepee style, where you kind of, you know, you lean them in on each other around that log cabin. And then hopefully with some more fanning, oxygen, the, the sticks and everything spread and catch those medium logs on fire. And once those medium logs are on fire and they're burning, you can kind of breathe a sigh of relief knowing that um, you got a fire going and you're not going to panic and need some more materials. Um, 
And then when the group comes out and they see this beautiful fire going, they're so excited to gather around the fire and start roasting their s'mores. And it's an immediate amazing experience for them. But little did they know, like, the 30 minutes of effort that you put in to try to make this fire, and you were, like, panicked watching your watch, making sure that they wouldn't come out to a, a sad, sizzling nothing of a fire. Um, so today, we're going to be talking about fanning the flame of the gift of God in us. Um, Nikki kind of summed it up real well in the faith foundations there. So we're looking at a passage from 2 Timothy 1, 1 through 14. So you can follow along. It will also be up on the screen. But listen to, as I read. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I've been sent out to tell others about the life he has promised through faith in Christ Jesus. I am writing to Timothy, my dear son. May God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace, mercy, and peace. Timothy, I thank God for you, the God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again. For I remember your tears as we parted, and I will be filled with joy when we are together again. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord, and don't be ashamed of me either. Even though I'm in prison for him, with the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because this was his plan from the beginning of time, to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. And now he has made all of this plain to us by the appearance of Jesus Christ, our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. And God chose me to be a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of this good news. And this is why I'm suffering here in prison. But I'm not ashamed of it, for I know the one in whom I trust. And I'm sure that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. So hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you learned from me, a pattern shaped by the faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, who lives within us, carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. I know we don't always read that long of a passage, so thanks for sticking with me. But in this passage, Paul, he's writing this letter to Timothy, and he's in jail while he's writing this letter. And while he's in jail, he is expecting to die soon because he's been persecuted by uh, people for a long time. And so he, he's anticipating the end very soon. And scholars think that this was probably his last letter written. So he is like squeezing out the last bit of wisdom that he has left to pass on to Timothy. And so somebody sharing their very last words, you know that it's going to be important and you should pay attention to it. Um, so 
He is giving Timothy this appeal that no matter what comes his way, regardless of circumstances, to stay faithful. And Timothy, of all things, feed the flame of the spiritual gift in you. That's kind of the pinnacle of this, um, this first chapter. And Paul is like a, a father to Timothy. He has taken him under his wing. He loves him so much. He's been a mentor to him. He's acted like a father to him. He's um, helped encourage him as a leader in the church. Uh, because what, we, what I learned about um, the Jewish culture during this time is that uh, earthly fathers were expected, Jewish fathers, had the responsibility of educating their children in the law. So around age like five or six, like when we would go to kindergarten, um, that's when uh, they were supposed to start learning the Jewish law. But Timothy's father was a Gentile. So his spiritual inheritance from this passage comes from his mother and his grandmother, which, who were Jewish. And so they passed on faith to him instead of his father. Um, so Paul kind of stepped in as this earthly father that was maybe absent in his life or passive in his spiritual upbringing. And Paul had this very special relationship with Timothy. And so I'm going to pull out three principles this morning from this passage. And the first is to remember the deposit of faith given to you. And this is what Paul's reminding Timothy of. Remember this deposit of faith. You have genuine faith that has been passed down to you. It may, have, may seem illegitimate based on the cultural expectations, but it's real and growing in you. Okay, so when did God start depositing things in your life? When did he start giving you things of himself? When did he start showing up in your life and getting your attention? What people did he use in your life? And, and who is he using right now? Um, how did you come to know Christ? What's your testimony? What are your God stories? These are really important stories that we need to, to tell one another and share. Um, because when you received Christ, when you believed the good news about Jesus, you got this deposit of the Holy Spirit in you. That's your first spiritual gift that you are to fan into flame. The deposit of the Holy Spirit. Um, and it's a deposit because we get this, this life with God, right? We get the presence of God in us. And sometimes we can feel it, and sometimes we're not so sure, but we believe it by faith nonetheless. But a deposit means that there's more to come, right? So we get in part what we're going to receive in full when Jesus comes back to earth. We get to live with God's presence now, um, in part, but we are going to be like full-time just with the Lord when he comes in full. And so this is the deposit in us. This is the deposit that we need to nurture and pay attention to. And I, I love how Paul summarizes the good news in this passage. He, he says, we have been saved by God. We've been called to live a holy life. And we didn't do anything to deserve it. We just got grace and grace and grace given to us. So much grace that we can stand as holy and blameless, beloved children of God without fault in front of God. We just, we just get this inheritance from him. 
And then verse 10 is my favorite. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life. And he broke the power of death, um, not just eternal death and give us eternal life, but he breaks the power of all the dead things in us because Jesus is always restoring and renewing life in us. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life. He is showing us the way to life in every way. 2 Corinthians 1, 21 through 22 says this, Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us and set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. So this is the deposit. This is uh, the seal that we are God's own children, the Spirit of God living in us. And that's our first deposit that, that Paul is saying, fan into flames, Timothy. Feed the Holy Spirit in you. But, but then the Holy Spirit in us also gives us gifts to serve one another, to serve the church, to extend the kingdom on this earth. And we're not to neglect those gifts either, Paul says, feed those gifts, Timothy. Feed the gifts in you. Um, And there's so much pushing on us to wipe out that flame. I mean, you don't have to live 24 hours outside of these walls for something to happen in your life that that tries to snuff out those flames. Um, It's very real right now. And Paul was also not oblivious to um, turbulent times. You know, he's writing this letter in prison. He says, this is why I'm suffering in prison, but I'm not ashamed of it. In fact, it's because I know the one in whom I trust. I mean, he, you know, in other parts of the New Testament, talks about all the way, all the hardships that Paul went through, and one of those things might have taken me out. I mean, he went through some extreme persecution. Um, And even in this letter, he talks later about how everyone's abandoned him during this time of being in prison, and he has no one left. Um, And yet, even in that feeling and facing his own death, he holds on unashamedly to Jesus, and he encourages Timothy to do the same thing, to be faithful all the way to the end, to feed the flame. Timothy, you've got a calling on your life. You've got to feed it. Don't sit back. Don't get comfortable. Don't just shrink back and be filled with self-doubt. Live fully into God. And so the second principle this morning would be that the Spirit of God has a calling on your life. The Spirit of God has a calling on your life. Um, Paul is talking to Timothy, and I, I think they, he's reminding him of this experience that they had where they were praying for Timothy. So Timothy was being set apart as a leader in the church, and Paul and the apostles, um, the elders, whoever, are coming around him and praying for him, you know, laying on hands. We're familiar with that kind of prayer. And I think what comes out of this moment of this prayer time is that uh, there's this prophetic calling on his life to be a bold and courageous teacher of the gospel. That regardless of what Timothy thought of himself or whatever other people thought of him, it was to not be timid or weak 
or to think that he has an illegitimate faith line. No, he was being called to have a boldness for Christ, proclaimed over his life that he would be a bold and courageous teacher. And you have a calling over your life to be a bold follower of Jesus in this world. And you have faith that's been deposited in you. And you have the Spirit of God as your spiritual gift living in you. And then you get spiritual gifts to, to serve the church. Feed those things. Feed the gift of God in you. And maybe it's things like helps or um, giving, hospitality. Maybe it's intercession or teaching or leadership. Whatever it is that you have in you, by the Spirit, feed those things. You know, Paul is not calling us to live small or scared or fearful or passive. But he says, feeding the flame will lead to a life of spiritual power, of love, and of self-control. So how do we go about feeding the flame in us? Um, I mean, first, we, it's the Holy Spirit. Verse 14 says that the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us carefully guards the precious truth that's been entrusted to us. You know, we go back to Scripture and we read God's Word and we be, we're filled with the truth as a guard in our hearts. And the Holy Spirit protects that in us and he, and he flourishes that in us. But, um, I mean, in a real sense, we've been given this deposit of faith, of the Spirit of God and spiritual gifts, and God is saying, you know, you have a responsibility to feed it. With our effort and with God's empowerment, we can be set ablaze in this world. And so, um, we've had to value the deposit of God in us. You know, what's something that you value that is you a possession that you have think of a possession of, that you have that you that you really like and how do you care for that thing um i was thinking of this question for myself and i bought this watch during quarantine because i've been doing some more running because you know nothing's open so you know i'm just like okay bye i'm gonna go run okay bye i'm gonna go run get out of the house and so I bought this, you know, I splurged a little bit and got this watch um, that tracks the running, you know, GPS, all the things, and it's fun. And I take care of it, okay? You know, I clean it off. The screen is nice and shiny, and it's white. You can see the purchase color that I made. Um, and so I have to get out, like, the rubbing alcohol, and I get, like, uh, Q-tips or something, you know, I, I get all the little dust out of there, you know, any sweat buildup on the back of the heart sensor, I take good care of it, you know, I want it to last a long time and, and be effective. And then, you know, it needs charging every few, every few days, and so I put it in a place where my one-year-old that destroys my house can't get, okay, because this, this could turn into a chew toy right here. It's nice and, and rubbery feeling. And so I make sure it's up high and away, and I know where it is at all times. If I take it off my wrist, I know where it's located, and it's far enough away from the children, and I take good care of it because I want it to last a long time. It's important to me. And in a similar way, you know, I'm sure you can think of something that you value. We need to value the deposit in our life, the spiritual gift that God has deposited in us, himself and those gifts. 
And how, how do you go about valuing that? Well, you feed it, and you take care of it, and you spend time nurturing it. So value that gift. The third principle is to accept suffering and expect a breakthrough of kingdom life. So, you know, Paul is encouraging Timothy, be white hot in your faith, Timothy, regardless of the circumstances that come your way, because they're going to come your way. You know, suffering and persevering through suffering is really the mark of being a true, authentic Christian. I don't think we like to think about that. We like to skip over suffering, but suffering refines you and your character and your faith, and it produces gold in you. And so we don't like to think that that's part of our calling, but it is, so accept suffering. I mean, we're halfway through 2020 right now, I think I've seen on Facebook, you know, like, woo, halfway. And it kind of spurs in me this feeling of wanting to make, like, you know, the um, paper strips that you staple into one another and you make the whole chain you know, before Christmas or some big event to count down. Um, sometimes we use it in our house to count down to go to a grandparent's house or something. You know, I kind of want to make this paper chain until December, till 2021, so we can just skip to 2021 and think about how we can just cut off each one each day and just bloop right on past all of this. Um, but that's, that's just not life. I mean, it's tiring to go through this life, and it can snuff out our flames. Just like, you know, when you throw water on a campfire and it, shh, and it goes out. I get it. But suffering is a part of the calling and we accept it. We have to accept it because we're not in this, like, nice stroll through the park just waiting for Jesus to come. We're in a battle. Every day we're in a battle. Whether, you know, we see it out in the news and in our world or not, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan are at war with one another, and that is going to happen until Jesus comes back. So we are in a battle, and there is evil and there is suffering in this world, but the kingdom of God is always advancing. The kingdom of God is more powerful. It's always growing. It's always gaining new ground. The power of God is greater than the enemy, always and so we pray, and we ask, and we seek, and we look for new ways that the kingdom can break through in any circumstance. So where do you need a kingdom breakthrough this morning? Maybe you are reminded, um, like Timothy, of this deposit that has been given to you of the Holy Spirit. Um, and you need to fan that flame. And maybe you are even thinking about this experience that Timothy had. And have you ever had someone pray over you and, and bless you and give you words um, to hold on to? You know, sometimes we've done that in our Holy Spirit, you know, our Spirit and Life nights, or we do it on Sunday morning when we get prayer, when we have prayer time. Um, but I also encourage you to take advantage of our Encouraging Words uh, ministry. Uh, Mark Mang leads our prophetic team. And, you know, when you go to one of their sessions, you go, like, with a blank slate. They don't, like, interview you and figure out what's going on in your life. They want to give you encouraging words that are fresh, straight from God. And so you go, and you spend some time in worship, and then they start um, 
giving you words of encouragement that they heard from the Lord. And they always record the session, like on your cell phone, so that you can go back later and listen to it and let it sink in and you can remember. And Mark has always encouraged me to transcribe the audio recording on my computer, you know, into notes. And I'm always like, oh, it's so much work, you know. But this last time, I took the time and I typed out some of those words, and I played it real slow, especially right, he talks fast. No, I'm just kidding. And so I, I, I clunked it out, and I read it, wrote it up, and it has been um, such, such an encouragement for me to hold on to those things, because sometimes um, God will speak something to you, and it connects with you right Right in the moment, you're like, oh, yeah, I, I can place that in my life. That makes sense. And other times, they're like, they're blueprints and they're strategies for like later and for a season. And you really have to pray into them and pray over them. And when you're going through the muck and the suffering and you're just not sure when a breakthrough is ever going to come, you can hold on to these words of hope that God has given you because he's speaking to you. He's active in your faith. And when you fan the flame, you get more of God. And when, and when, you, um, when you're feeding the Holy Spirit inside of you, you get more of him in your life. He uses our prayer and our worship to open up an infinite amount of life with him. The more we feed the flame, the more we're going to get and experience Jesus. And so I would encourage you um, this morning to feed the flame of the spiritual gift in you. So some two practical tips for you in that regard is what's something, like what's something for 15 minutes you could do every day that would change your life in feeding the flame? Go do that thing. So reading your Bible, you know, have you neglected reading the truth, the truth that is in you? So reading your Bible, maybe that's it. Maybe, you know, you could go to YouVersion app. They have, like, different Bible reading plans you can pull up. Um, I also use the Bible in One Year app. That one's a good one. And read scripture. Or maybe it is making an appointment with the prophetic team, and you can go deeper in hearing God's word for your life. Um, maybe it's just worshiping with worship songs on or prayer or it's walking, whatever it is, connect with God. Make it a habit and feed the flame deeper and deeper and more and more. And second would be to take a gift test or go back to the gift test maybe that you've already taken with us. Um, and they have, you know, some suggestions on there of how you can grow your spiritual gift. So, like, choose one thing that helps activate that spiritual gift. In you. Choose one tip or action. So we are going to receive communion now and respond to the Lord that way.